This is a very interesting feast. Christ the King was instituted in modern times by Pope Pius XI in 1925, at a time when the Pope was concerned about the rise of secularism in the world and how it was pushing aside the church's mission and the church's faith in Jesus Christ as king. And many people were going over to the secular side. It's interesting when you think about this decree, this this decree about Christ the King being done in 1925, Pius XI was quite the prophet because he proclaimed this at a time when the world would be going through one of its worst moments ever in terms of genocide and and the slaughter of innocent people by the state in the Soviet Union and in the next decade in Germany. Christ the King, Pius said, exercises a rightful sovereignty over the human soul, over every human soul. Thus, he says, the church cannot be subject to any external power in her work of gathering and preparing souls for the kingdom of God. The church must be free from the control of the state. And Pope Pius goes on in this wonderful encyclical, which is really worth looking up someday. Christ the King, Pius XI. You Google that and you'll see his encyclical, Quas Primus. It's one of the best that a pope has ever read, written. He says, not only should the church be free of the power of the state, but every Christian soul must acknowledge the primacy of Jesus Christ over his or her life. Jesus Christ must reign in our minds. We must firmly believe in the truth. Jesus Christ must reign in our wills. We must obey God's laws and his words. Jesus Christ must reign in our hearts. We must love God above all things and our neighbor as ourself. Jesus Christ must reign in our bodies and we must sanctify every aspect of our lives as we come in conformity to Christ our King. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus reminded his disciples that while they are in this world, they are not of this world. The reason why this is so important is because our King, Jesus Christ, himself was in this world, but not of this world. Jesus did not tell Pilate, my kingdom is not here, but rather he said to Pilate, my kingdom is not from here. We must then learn to be faithful citizens of two cities, the city of God and this earthly city, which we live in for this time. While we are here, 
we can't choose to live exclusively in one city or the other. We are necessarily dual citizens, and we have obligations to both cities. But dear friends, remember, the kingdom of God has precedence because God made Jesus the ruler of everything. Far above every sovereignty, authority, power, or dom dominion, or any other name that can be named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And what we learn from this is very important and actually quite painful now. The Catholic Church teaches her children that there are two non-negotiables as we sojourn through this earthly city. Number one, we can never deny who our King is, Jesus Christ, King of the universe. Number two, we can never consent to anything which is a violation of the divine law. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says, the citizen is obliged in conscience not to follow the directives of civil authorities when they are contrary to the demands of the moral order, to the fundamental rights of human persons, or to the teachings of the gospel. Refusing obedience to civil authorities when their demands are contrary to those of an upright conscience finds its disjustification in the distinction between serving God and serving the political community. Render, therefore, to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. We must obey God rather than men. This week, I had the privilege of attending the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And this point about the kingship of Jesus Christ was very much on the mind of the bishops. They are well aware that we are living in a time where the Catholic faithful may have to make some hard decisions about who they will follow, the dictates of this world or the teachings of the kingdom that overarches this world. And it's going to cost some people a lot because we live in a time when many people are being asked to make choices that are fundamentally irreconcilable to the teaching of Jesus Christ. What the Feast of Christ the King does is to remind us of this, but also to give us the assurance that Jesus Christ will stand with us. Like the penitent thief, we will be with him in paradise. So dear friends, in many areas of our lives, we're going to have to make choices. And I pray that the Lord will give you the strength always and judiciously and prudentially to stand with Jesus Christ, our King. He is our King. That kingdom is our eternal home. 
It overarches the whole of the universe. This kingdom is passing away, but his kingdom lasts forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. What a strange gospel for us to hear as we celebrate Christ, who is the King of the whole universe. We have a gospel where Jesus is at his weakest moment physically. He is helpless. It seems like everything that he did is now failing. He appears to those around him as a criminal, a sinner being put to death. And yet this is our king, not sitting on a comfortable throne, but his throne is a cross. He's not wearing a fine gold crown, but rather a crown of thorns. What is God doing? And of course, we know that God in his plan confounds the proud, the arrogant, those who think they know. And God comes in from another direction. The people around Jesus at this moment, they cannot believe it. All their concepts of what they expected this Messiah King to do and to be are confounded. They are completely befuddled. If this is truly the Messiah King, he should be able to come down from that cross. And why doesn't he? This is what everyone was expecting. The one who walked on water, who quieted the storm, who raised the dead, healed the sick, drove out demons. Why does he not use that power to save himself? Isn't that what we'd all expect? And yet he stays on the cross. Because Jesus is operating entirely by love. A love that is conquering all the evil that is arrayed against him. All the hatred, the anger, the violence, the cruelty, the prejudice, the mocking, all of that, he allows it to fall on him, and he becomes ugly and disfigured 
by all the sin and evil of the world, he lets it all fall on him so that in him it stops. It becomes redeemed. It does not go further. No more eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hatred to hatred, responding to evil with evil, no more. It's done. And only Christ, and only in Christ, is the real and true end of hatred, violence, injustice, prejudice, abuse, and all that we can call dark, evil, and sinful. I remember growing up, I mean, it's amazing how young this starts. My brother would hit me, I'd hit him back. He'd take something from my room, I'll take something from his room. He breaks my toy, I break his toy. Someone gossips to me, I spread the gossip elsewhere. Someone hurts me, I want to see them hurt and hurt them. Someone gets angry at me, I get angry and respond with anger. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, offer the left. If someone takes your coat, give them your cloak as well. Jesus does not perpetuate the evil, the sin. With him, it stops. And when he takes over the heart, when he becomes king of another person's heart, and this reign of the power of merciful love conquers your heart, my heart, now we become part of this new kingdom. And we, like Jesus, we do not perpetuate the sin and the evil within us or around us. By being united to Jesus, the King of the universe, evil now can stop right here. That beautiful story of Mother Teresa, she brings a little child into a baker's shop begging for food for this dear child and their family. And the baker spit in the face of Mother Teresa and she wipes off the spit from her face and she says, thank you, sir, for that gift. Now how about something for the child? She didn't perpetuate the evil. I remember a few months ago, ay, 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 
I got impatient. I'm on the road, and I cut someone off in a hurry. And I could tell the guy behind me was so angry. And I'm thinking afterwards, I'm thinking, what am I doing? And maybe he went home and took out his frustration on his family, perpetuating the sin and the evil of the world. And I was so sorry after this. Jesus, I don't want to do this. I want to be part of your kingdom. I want evil to stop right here so that I can show forgiveness. I can show mercy. I can be a peacemaker. You know, I love how God has taught me what to do with gossip. It's amazing how much gossip just gets perpetuated. And so now when I, when I kind of become part of a circle where the gossip starts, I will, at a certain moment, I'll say, you know what? Based on what you just shared, it sounds like we should pray for this person. Totally unexpected. The gossip stops. And it now shifts to an act of love to pray for the very person about whom they're gossiping. Try it once. <laughs> Takes courage. Got to pray for the strength. See, this is the, this is the peace prayer that is attributed to St. Francis. This is a beautiful prayer that conveys the new life that you and I can now live when Christ is reigning over your heart and my heart. God, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, let me bring pardon. Where there is doubt, confusion, let me bring faith. That's what this prayer is talking about. Not to perpetuate sin and evil. So as we receive Jesus in the Eucharist this morning, he comes with this power, and yet he comes small enough to fit in the palm of our hand or received on the tongue. I could crush that host with my hand and mistreat it as he was mistreated on the cross. And yet that power to conquer hearts is what he comes with to us in the Eucharist. Gentle, lowly, humble, weak, but absolutely powerful to crush any hardness of heart, obstinance, or sinfulness that may be in my heart and to give me the grace to be part of his kingdom, to follow the way of his kingdom. And this is the call today. Amen.